0: I'm in a series of messages called Rebuilding Your World, and uh, I'm just aware that a lot of us have experienced uh, situations either through the pandemic season and the ongoing issues that are accompanying that, as well as uh, eventually all of us will have an area of life where we've got to start to rebuild again, and uh and uh, the kind of the foundation of all of this is the Book of Nehemiah and how he rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem, rebuilt the gates around Jerusalem, and how God used him and some of the principles that are in his life. And today, what I want to talk about is the the concept of cooperating with your season, cooperating with your season. Uh, As I read through the book of Nehemiah, I find that uh, he had several different leadership seasons that he had to walk through, and I think it is so important for us in rebuilding our world to discern the season that you are actually in so that you can cooperate with the season you're in, uh, that you can cooperate with God in the season He has you in. And I would say, without a shadow of a doubt, learning to cooperate with God in the season that He has you in is a very powerful concept to understand. Because if you're like me, you're looking to the to the future and you're wanting this to be better or this to be bigger or this to be whatever. And sometimes you can miss what's actually happening in your life right now. And so if we can figure out how to cooperate with God in the season he has us in, uh, and I could go through a number of scenarios and point out different kinds of seasons, but. I think we would have an idea that everybody is in a season of some kind. We're all in a season together uh, corporately as a church family. uh, And uh, not every season is the same. Not every season uh, needs to be treated the same. So when I look at Nehemiah, and these are kind of the seasons that I just sort of picked up on reading through the book several times and getting the story. Nehemiah had a season where he was under the king's authority, um, and then he had another season where he was embarking on a calling. Then he had another season where he was coordinating teams. Uh, He had another season where he was facing opposition, then there was a season where he was there was the restoration of of the Word of God and worship, and then there was a season where he literally had to forcibly correct some off course living and off course thinking. So uh, I am going to go through a couple of these today, but uh, but i'm I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will help each one of us discern the season that we're in, and cooperate with that season. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 says, "Uh, Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time. Everybody say time. And I've taught often through the years the, the two Greek words that are translated time, chronos and kairos, This is the word kairos, uh, which literally we could look at this and say making the most of your season because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And I think there's an element of this where we are being called to understand what is God doing in my life today? What is God saying to me? What is happening in my world? Make the most of your season. Make the most of your Kairos season, your moment. So, understanding the times, understanding the seasons, understanding the process that is involved uh, is super helpful in actually being able to rebuild your world. So, let me talk about this one for a, a few moments. Number one, the season of being under authority. Everybody say under authority. Nehemiah was at the beginning of the book under the king's authority. And uh, Nehemiah 2 verse 1 describes kind of the posture of his life. It came about in the month Nisan, which is after the month Toyota, In the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, that wine was before the king, and I took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had not been sad in his presence. In other words, I had a good attitude with my boss. So the king said to me, why is your face sad? What is wrong with your attitude, son? Though you are not sick, this is nothing but sadness of heart. Then I was very much afraid. The king called him out. I said to the king, let the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's tombs, lies desolate and its gates have been consumed by fire. Then the king said to me, what would you request? So I prayed to the God of heaven. That was one of those Lord help, you know, quick prayers. I said to the king, if it please the king, and if your servant has found favor before you, send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. The compelling thought to me in, in this particular idea is that Nehemiah opened the door to his next blessed season by serving well in the season when he was under authority. And I don't know that any of us ever gets to a place where we're not under some kind of authority, but he was, he was able to go out with the king's blessing And with the king's connections, because we find a little bit further on that the king used his connections to import brand new wood for the gates for Nehemiah, and the reason he was able to go into the season of calling on his life well, because he had served well in his place of authority, under authority, rather. And if he had had not been serving the king well when it was a season to be under authority, he may not have walked out into the blessing that the next season needed. Many people have short-circuited God's very best for them by not living their under-authority season well. They've been a pain at work. They've been a pain in the church. They've been a pain at the house, right? And I think this is an important concept for the very day that we live in because we're living in an unusual time where people want to argue and create conflict And voice opinions where they really have no qualification to give that opinion. They're just giving it out of their own posture, which is probably pretty darn limited, right? Well, I think Simone Biles ought to have, and you got no idea. You can't even do a cartwheel, You know you can't. You can't even do a push-up. And I'm just saying uh, that this idea that, and I watch a lot of Christians right now on social media, voicing opinions about every single thing. And the last attitude you would pick up is that person is loyal and submitted. I know there's a, definitely a tension to manage in this whole idea, because there are several times in the book of Acts where the apostles said, well, well, we can't obey God and man at the same time. Uh, Acts chapter 4, verse 19, they called the apostles back in, commanded them never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. The Peter and John replied, do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him, right? We cannot stop telling about everything we've seen and heard. And then a, a, a little further on, next uh, chapter, Peter and the apostles replied and said, "We must obey God rather than any human authority." Now, primarily, this had to do with them being prevented from preaching the gospel. But I, but I also want to point out to us that the apostle Paul in writing the book of, to the Roman church, and that is to us, obviously, in the midst of some of the most intense persecution that the church has ever felt, said these words, Romans 13, verse 1, everyone must submit to governing authorities. You know, people love the Bible until they actually read the Bible. For all authority comes from God, and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and they will be punished. For the authorities do not strike fear in people who are doing right, But in those who are doing wrong. You want to be safe with the police? Quit breaking the law. Amen. Would you like to live without fear of the authorities? Do what is right, and they will honor you. Hebrews 13, verse 17, takes it into our realm, church life. Obey your leaders. And submit to them. I'm just waiting for an amen. For they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account, so that they may do this with joy, not groaning. (laughs) Oh, for this would be unhelpful for you. And I think we could gather this idea that the lean of a believer should be toward submission, right? Submitted to the mission. If you work somewhere where you can't be submitted to the mission, there are other jobs, if you go to a church where you can't submit to the mission, there are other churches. And the the lean of a believer, and like I said, I know this is a tension to manage, and I'm not going to try to qualify on every bit of this. The lean of a believer should be towards submission, and definitely not toward rebellion. And if we don't learn our lesson, In the under-season, God will make sure you repeat that grade again. And you could just keep living the same lesson over and over and over again. Let me put it to you this way. Ultimately, it's our ability to submit that makes us most usable to God. Ecclesiastes, this is a very interesting couple of verses to me. Ecclesiastes 8.5. He who keeps a royal command experiences no trouble. For a wise heart knows the proper time or season, I should say, and procedure. For there is a proper time and procedure for every delight when a man's trouble is heavy upon him. And these two verses are telling us this idea that to understand the value of your time and the season that you're in is vital. To understand the value of the process, of the procedure, uh, is, is vital. Proper time, proper procedure for every delight, may not be the season for a certain delight. The capacity to delay gratification until the right season is absolutely vital. There are seasons where saving money is more important than accumulating things. You can't afford the new car right now, so buy the good used car. Hello? Uh, Dave Ramsey says, if you'll live like nobody else now, you'll be able to live like nobody else later. And I'm just testifying that's the truth. If you understand seasons of prudence, Citizens of sacrifice, that's essential for you to walk in the blessing that God wants to bring you into your life. Some delights are not for some seasons. Hey, if you're single, this is not the season for you to enjoy sex. Somebody say, hey, "Man, or oh me, oh my." hello, just a couple weeks ago, Pastor Witt came and lit the place up and uh, uh, he's been in Greensboro now. We sent him out and blessed him uh, 20 plus years ago. But when he first came to me and said, PK, I'm, I'm ready to go start a church. I said, no, you're not. Well, he pouted and walked around with a bit of an attitude, and then he got it straight, and then at the right time, I actually, I knew this church was growing inside of him. I went to him. I said, dude, I think it's your time now, and he would tell you over and over and over again. He was so glad he listened to his pastor. Now, I'm just, I want to say this, because I think, Gosh, it's so important. I've watched guys get face slammed to the ground because they weren't willing to listen. They weren't willing to wait. They they were insistent on doing their thing. And I would say, that's not a good setup. This is what's going to happen. And I'm not always right, but I've been mostly right And I'm not trying to brag on myself. I'm just saying if they would have submitted to stay under authority, who knows? You don't always know when you're ready. That's why you want some other people who are spiritual and smart to be in your world that you could say, how many of you know self-awareness is not the easiest thing to have? And that's the whole point of, be, of being under authority. I know we could all come up with stories of bosses from Hades, pastors from Hades, you know, government from Hades, whatever. But I just want to say, just because there's been a screwball situation, that doesn't mean every. Just because you had a crummy second-grade teacher, that doesn't make all education bad. Hello? So, the delight is not delayed forever. It's just wrong out of season. It's wrong out of process. God's anointing is on his timing. So, could I just say to you, don't be impetuous. One thing I've found out about God is he is not in a hurry. He usually takes a long time to move suddenly. You can't pull on the leaves and make the tree grow. And you got to be willing to stay under even when it chafes you a little bit so that your next season can be the best season possible. And let me say this, everybody that you know is in the process right now. Everybody is under some kind of pressure right now. And they are in an under season. That's why you got to give people time, give people space, give people grace. Because you don't know what they're walking through. And I'm going to go to the flip side of this. Don't, don't get stuck lagging behind your season. I know people that have, that have come to me and said, I worked in a church and I got so burnt out and now I can't even do anything anymore. Okay, you've had a season of rest, but this has turned into ten, a decade. Hello? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow. I'm not going to live in the valley of the shadow of death. Right? Come on, Jesus, Jesus was 40 days in the wilderness. Israel was 40 years in the wilderness. I like the Jesus route. So I think to understand this whole idea, when when you feel under it, you got to remember that there is another season coming. Can I say that again? When you feel like you're under it, you got to remember there is an appointed time of harvest of the next season. You can, if you can handle, if you can remember that, you can handle this season more effectively, knowing there's another season coming. Because how I handle This season impacts the next season in a significant way. If I can remember I've got another season coming, uh, then I'm not going to let anything that appears to not be working right to hold me back because i know this. If I keep sowing tomato seeds, there's tomatoes in my future. Hello? If, if I keep sowing, I'm not going to get disappointed by the season that I feel under. I'm going to keep sowing the word into my spirit. I'm going to keep sowing prayer. I'm not going to go, oh, forget it. No, this season sucks. Excuse my French. That wasn't in my notes. But if you can remember, there's another season coming. You might feel under it right now, but you can't let that stop you from sowing because you're creating your next season by what you sow now. And the obedience of this season impacts your next season. If you leave this season with a rebellious attitude, guess what you're headed to? A harvest you don't want. All right, my second idea I want to talk about, seasons in Nehemiah's leadership. The season of embarking on a calling. So, Nehemiah 2.11, he says, So I came to Jerusalem, I was there for three days, and I rose in the night. I and a few men with me. I didn't tell anyone what my God was putting into my mind. I of mean, you know, you can't always share your dreams and visions with people. Because there are people that don't have dreams, don't have visions, don't want you to move into your best. Hello? Hello? I didn't tell anyone what God was putting into my mind to do for Jerusalem, and there was no animal with me except the animal on which I was riding. So I went out at night by the valley gate in the direction of the dragon's well and onto the refuse gate, pew, inspecting the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down, and its gates were consumed by fire." The season of Nehemiah moving out from under the king's authority, embarking on his calling. I think the first thing to recognize in Nehemiah embarking on a calling is Nehemiah located his calling by what bothered him. What bothers you is a key to your calling. Because you have been put on the planet to be a solution to something. We've all been put on the planet to solve some kind of problem. And if you can locate what bothers you, God is letting you know what problem he wants to use you to solve. You are a solution to something. You're not here just to take up space. You're not here just to go through the motions. You are a solution to something. And what bothers you God's wanting to use you. My my friend that pastors in Kansas City has just got a passion for putting an end to human trafficking, which is a horrible thing. And he has poured his heart and soul as he's pastored his church into raising money to help ministries that come against and rescue kids, rescue people, provide resource. And I mean, they've done a fantastic job, but it, it's just something like, it bothers me, but it doesn't bother me like it bothers him. And it may be that you are looking at the next generation and going, oh my gosh, what's going on? Maybe that's God saying to you, you need to start getting involved and in being a solution to the reach the next generation. Come on, somebody. And whatever's bothering you, it's a legit thing for all of us to be bothered about. But there's something that is on your soul. And God knows for you to embark on your calling, he knows the lead time you need. In other words, some of us are quicker and some of us are slower. Hello. God knows if you're a slow processor (laughs) or a fast processor I'm telling you, you're not as fast as you think you are, but God knows to get me ready for today, and I'm a three year processor. He knows, He's the Alpha and the Omega, the end, the beginning, and the end. He knows when to start to get me ready for my day, right? God knows the lead time that you need, and He'll start the process early enough. Before Suzette and I moved to Asheville to start our church, I promise you this this church was growing in our spirit for probably a good five years. Then Nehemiah is bothered by this thing, and he just takes kind of a reconnaissance trip. He didn't tell anybody what he was doing. He just went to explore the possibilities. That's a cool thing to do. A leap of faith is not a jump off a cliff. Somebody quote me on that one. Tweet that. Some homework is helpful. I remember when Suzette and I came up to Asheville when we were praying about moving here, and we had no idea, but it turned out there was a lady who with a prophetic ministry but that was at a small church, and... Um, And when we found out about it, we were friends from the past with the pastor, invited us over. We're sitting on the back row of this tiny church, little small church, really small. And we're sitting back there. They've got no real nursery or anything. Tori, our, our oldest daughter, is like pacifier in Suzette's arms. We're sitting in the back in case she goes off wanting to worship God or something and this lady is singing and prophesying and she walks out and she points to both of us and says, God is calling you to step out on the water and to not trust in anything but his goodness. And she starts describing all these things that are happening in our soul. We looked around to see in Asheville, was there any church that was doing what we felt called to do. And after a while, what happened in our soul was it really didn't matter what any church was doing because we knew in our knower, you know where that is, we knew in our knower that we were called to move to Asheville to start The Rock Church, and that season of embarking on a calling, it's, it's not a leap off a cliff, but sometimes you're stepping out in faith, but a leader sees a future that doesn't exist yet. In other words, there is an element of faith in embarking on a calling, but what I've discovered is that no matter what you're doing, whether you're starting a church or stepping into serving at church or you're starting a business or whatever, the waters part normally when you step into them. Yeah? Because the reality is, when when you are called, you're probably going to feel like, I'm not good enough for this. Well... Matter of fact, that's true. (laughs) Nobody is, but we become in the doing. In other words, gathering more information is not gonna help you after a while. So there was a season where Nehemiah was under authority and he did well with that. Then there was another season where he was embarking on a calling. Then the, the next season was the season of playing team. Everybody say team. And if you read Nehemiah chapter 3, you're going to find the whole book, the whole chapter is about all kinds of people working side by side to rebuild the wall. I, I talk about this a lot because I, I this is this is more important than you think it is. It's an important lesson to realize you've got to learn to play team if you're gonna win in life. No no matter how gifted you are, no matter how smart you are, no matter how spiritual you are, somehow, somehow, You got to recognize the way God works is He puts people together. You got to learn how to fit yourself into playing team. You may think you can go faster and better by yourself, but I promise you, you can go a lot farther if you'll connect with team. I I can put a list of names together of uniquely gifted people who could have made a significant difference for the kingdom of God, for the glory of God, but they just couldn't get the idea of playing team. They were always cutting themselves short. In every situation they move into, they can't find a way just to fit, just to submit, just to be a part of it, just to not always feel like everything needed their opinion. Is it okay if I talk prophetically? Come on, your team in life matters. Whose team are you on? Like, who are you really connected to? Who who do you really do life with? Who's on your team? Whose team are you on? Because... When you learn we is better than me, you've grown up a lot. I love this passage from uh, Romans in the message. And this is Romans chapter 12. It says, in this way, we are like the various parts of a human body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. Come on. The body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Each of us finds our meaning and function. Somebody say function, because if you're going to play team, you got to play. You can't just sit in the stands for the rest of your life. Each of us finds our meaning and function as a part of his body. But as a chopped off finger or a cut off toe, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? So, since we find ourselves fashioned into all these excellently formed and marvelously functioning parts in Christ's body, let's just go ahead and be what we were made to be without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something we aren't. Come on. I love this passage, especially the the message translation of it. Our true meaning, our true identity is actually found in the body we're a part of. My value, your value, finds its fullness when I'm connected. Just an independent, smart guy, independent, spiritual guy doesn't nearly have the value as a connected functioning, right? My value finds its fullness, your value finds its fullness when you're connected and functioning. Hey, I want to pray with you today. Would you bow your heads, please, and would you close your eyes? Father, thank you that you are the Lord over seasons in our life. Father, as we're looking at Nehemiah and the seasons that he's walking through, I'm praying for discernment for every person in this room, Father, that we would sense and know and understand what the will of the Lord is in this season that we are in. I'm praying, God, by revelation, let us know what season we are in and that another season is certainly coming. With your head bowed, your eyes closed, I just want to take a moment to pray. You know, it may be that you have never actually personally really surrendered to Jesus. And I would love to pray with you. Let's start that journey together. Let's walk together in that. Maybe you're here today, or maybe you're watching online, and the truth is, you know there was a day when you actually used to be in a close relationship with Jesus, but you're not there now. You're not where you want to be, where you could be, where you know you should be. I would love to pray with you. Or maybe you just don't have a sense of confidence. My life is fully in the hands of God. If, you, if one of those describes where you're at today and you're saying, Pastor, I'm, I'm willing to take a step forward in my heart. I'm willing to surrender to Jesus today. Would you pray with me? I want you to lift your hand real high all over this room. You've never surrendered. You've fallen away. You just don't feel confident about where you stand. We're going to pray together in just a minute. All over the room. Amen. Let's pray this prayer together. I want everybody to say this with me out loud. Everybody say, Lord Jesus, I open my heart to your love, to your Lordship, in my life, I know I've sinned, but I've come short of the calling, but I come to the cross where you paid the price for every wrong I've done. Today is a fresh start. It's a new beginning. Help me become the person you created me to be. Amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord. Amen.